presents 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast. Brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. We are we are back with another 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We haven't, when was the last time we did this in person? Um, it, was, well, it was winter, right? It was like before. It was cold out. It was like January or something. I don't know the last time, but um, we are together, and uh, we have we are we're here doing some Transylvania Chronicles one, Dark Tides Rising. So, what are your thoughts, Bob, about this actually, fucking book? I actually think this book is good. I, I was just uh, kind of telling offline, Nate. I was a little jealous because. Uh, we did all that work in the Transylvania book, and I, I was under the impression that the Transylvania Chronicles would have ties to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're both from the same area. But I was under the assumption all that note-taking and what we went in deep on and talked wouldn't be like that in this book. Yeah. And then when I opened and started reading it, I was like, they already took the notes. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that, that, that's the thing that, that kind of messed with me, too. Um we usually give like chronicles or you know the, those types of uh, books. We kind of usually give them like less than stellar marks. Um, but uh, I I think it's good if you get Transylvania by night, and it'll give you basically every piece of information that you're going to need to run this game. Right. Well, I, I apologize for interrupting, mm-hmm. but what I mean is is that like it's simply to say it the Transylvania chronic the Transylvania book on its own. It's it's just the backdrop where the Transfield Chronicles right. jump from, and everyone's thinking, "Duh." Right. Well, no. Like I think what Nate was about to say, and I cut him off horribly, <laughs> and and Nate can finish saying now. I was gonna say I don't think that you need to have that book to run this because basically what this does is this just gives you like like a summarized version of that. Uh, most of the characters that are in here, uh, they're in their they're in Transylvania by night in their entirety. And also, I jumped ahead a little bit. I was looking at Bitter Crusade, yeah. and a lot of those characters are in that too. Right. <laughs> and a lot of the characters from Constantinople are in that too. So, but basically, what this does is it gives you literally the chronicles of Transylvania. It's not the chronicles of Dracula. At all. It's not the the. It's not the the rise of of Vlad. It's not it. That's kind of what I was under the impression. I was like, man, that's a lot of books to like give you the story of Dracula. It's not that at all. It's basically the Dark Ages, the story of vampires from the perspective of that Eastern European feel from Transylvania, from Budapest, from the surrounding areas. Now, the whole point to the Chronicles is to tell us, tell a long story. I think White Wolf for a long time said, be a vampire, be modern. And or you, here's a Dark Ages game and here's what you run. And they were kind of in their own echo chamber trying to figure out a way to communicate that it's okay to play elders and spend some time. Right. But then the feedback had to have been, well, how the hell do they do that? Right? How do you tell someone it's okay to play someone old and it be a believable character? Well, you can either have two guys do a podcast. <laughs> huh? yeah, yeah, 15 or, or 20 years later. <laughs> or you could maybe more relevant um, release this book. And this book does its due diligence. It tells you a story where the players start as neonates. In a, in a, in a, I'm going to say this. It's Bob fashion. Right. It's Bob approved. I don't normally say that because I, I hate the soft gloved everybody wins type of storytelling. Oh, yeah. It's garbage. That is not in this book. No, no, it's definitely not. That was that was actually one thing that I was gonna say. And this is this is consistent with us, like I was saying before. 
modules and and like our style of storytelling are usually I read a module and I'm like this is garbage I could tell a better story like right. like honestly that's my opinion about most things I'm I'm very hard nosed I'm like this is great if you're just stumbling into storytelling but this Transylvania Chronicles it tells you like there are certain points where maybe we it's okay to pull a punch but for the most part it's like if there's a section in here in the very first part where where they're like if you know the player should do this if the player doesn't do this, give them like two more chances and then tell them to make a new fucking character. Like carte blanche. Yeah. That won me over. Yeah. Reading yeah. this book. And, and you guys got to be thinking, well, man, that's real controlling. I don't like, I don't play a game to be controlled. Yeah, you do. Because you're here to hear a story, to be right. a part of a story. Right. Which is also your story. And this highlights that. Yeah. it. I mean, that whole ruling, as it says, is literally slamming home the fact that in us trying to tell this story, i.e. you, the storyteller... This story can't continue if they don't want to participate. Right, right. If they're not here to participate in the game, which you should have probably told them in the first place, like, hey, we're going to go through the Transylvania Chronicles. We're going we're gonna to go through the history of modern-day Vampire the Masquerade and see where it all came from. And, yeah, it, it very much won me over in that regard as well. Um, and something else that we've been talking about a lot lately is building historic games, like building a game from a historical perspective. Um, and you know, a lot of people are like, what goes into it? I'm going to tell you what, first and foremost, I feel like this book right here is the perfect book for someone who's never built a historical setting and wants to know how to do it because it not only has like strategies at the beginning for how to tell this tale, because uh, basically how this chronicle works correct me if I'm wrong, but it's four stories through time each spaced out about a hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what it's doing is it's giving you snapshots. It's giving you snapshots of like the beginning of the, the politics in this region, moving up to the Anarch revolt. And each one of these little snapshots is like a major event that happens for your characters to, to sort of boost them up. And then also to sort of like drag them back down when things don't go their way. What they do awesome with that is that they make sure that as this stuff unfolds, it is not meant to be ran, okay, this week we're doing the Act 1. This week is Act 2. This is Act 3. There's not. There's events right. that happen that undoubtedly are going to cause your players to want to go do other stuff. And this is where the book tells you, fill it out. Right. Follow where they want to go. They got time. They got a century of stuff to do things. Right. And so this is the type of book you, you might spend a year running actual game sessions just trying to get to the end of this first book. Right. And that's okay. However... If you only meet once a month and you're looking to knock it out, you know, rapid fire style, um, and you don't want to do a one night session, but you commit three months to it, you can. They even give you a way of how uh, to do the uh, downtimes, maturation, what yeah, can happen in the time. Absolutely, that's in here too. So, a book that we reviewed a uh, while, while, while ago is a book called Elysium. I think it's like Elysium: The Elder Wars or something like that, but right. it's it's Elysium. And in that book, they give you a great bit of detail on how to grow your character through blue booking. They use the term blue booking in this book. And what they do is they masterfully at the end of this book, they go, you can go get Elysium, but here's some like quick condensed rules on how to like hard fast do that, how to grow your characters a hundred years at a time, how to mature, you know, what to spend your experience on, how to grow these backgrounds. And so that stuff is really cool, but without giving too much away, do you want to like tell the story of what yeah. actually happens in here? I think the uh, the beautiful part is how it opens. Mm-hmm. 
it's it they treat it like a storm session of what players want to want to make. Right. Literally anything's open. You can tell them to make whoever they want. You just agree on that the coterie is together. Right. Off the bat, there is no someone secretly is betraying someone in the group. No one's a hidden Bali unless you're all hidden Bali's. Right. You know, no garbage like that. There should be no fear of a person sitting your left or your right of betraying you, anyone else in the right. coterie. Once that's under, and by the way, that's a mandatory. That's not a maybe, uh, because it'll ruin the fl- the the flair and feel of the book. And and quite honestly, just as an aside, I feel like that's a really good policy for every game. And really, if you're a storyteller and you're not kind of adapting that, like everyone should have a reason to get along because we want this game to last. I think that's something you should probably adapt, um, depending on your style of game. But I, I think it's a good idea. Um, I never do. Uh, that's because I think if someone's going to make a concept that's going to be aggressive. I don't make it to where that's my permission. I make it to where they know, mm-hmm. like everyone knows. Hey, right. you guys are cool. Just so you know, and if someone's like, "I don't care," get out of hand. I'll kill you. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Okay, then you know you go forward with it. But that's not this book. This book says everyone gets along. Right. Um, the other cool thing is it brings in the sires. What? Yep. And before they've never mentioned your sire. That's just the your sire was the reason that you're a vampire. Right. No one cares about that. How important could they possibly be? In this game, the, in this chronicle, they factor in heavily. Right. They, they, in this book, they step right on it. Right. They're, they're a tool that is used to sort of guide this game in the direction of where it needs to go. And the sires are not predetermined, right? So what that means is um, you can pick a sire out of the book if you and the ST agree to it, and that's okay. Uh, but they give a clue as to what faction is needing the sires to step right. forward to accomplish this task and that's important to note so each faction is a is a different way to tell this tale right um so whatever you pick whatever faction is whatever your sires do it goes to this the patron or faction um or patron faction if you prefer um decides to tell the sires hey get your children together um i'm having i'm calling in a marker you're going to fulfill this boon there's a specific pass that exists from the east coming to the west up in the mountains, and it's a mountain pass, a natural mountain pass, and it's called Tehuda Pass. And there is an old fortification that was placed there by the Dacians, uh, long since burnt down, but the foundation is still sound, and we want them to build there. Right. And sort of control trade between the east and the west. They give you several reasons as to why they want it. The real reason is that there is rumor to be hidden knowledge in the library cellar uh, that is a part of the foundation that's never been found. And that's the real reason. But the coterie, the players, don't necessarily know that. And the book pretty much says kind of keep that under your hat. Um, however, they find out like within scene one. Basically, yeah. Upon like arrival, there there's already some uninvited guests there looking for stuff. Um, that brings me to like one. I don't know. I don't even know if it's a criticism necessarily because it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. But... Um, we start to see some of those uh, characters that are going to follow through the ages. Uh, we encounter Lucida and Anatole. Right. And, and like anybody that's familiar with this game knows like those are characters that run the whole length of the game uh, up until Gehenna um, or, you know, current day if you're, you know, following like V20 and all that. Um, but I, I like it because you get to see the development of those characters, but they don't, they're not, they don't, they're not supposed to exist to like outshine your characters, right? Mm-hmm. Your characters, your players' characters are the ones that are important here. And so it gives you a bunch of options like, 
hey, you can do this or you can do that. But, like, you can't kill them, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, they say you can't. I- I'm going I'm to add this. That's kind of the unspoken thing. If you want to kill right. Anatole and Lucy, to go for it. Right. But they tell you they tell you this flat out. It's a knock-drag-out fight. Like, hats off to you. Right. If they accomplish it, great. Does the game end? No. You mm-hmm. will have to formulate your plot or what goes on from that point forward. And at that point, we're off the rails. You know what was designed. You know what importance they had. Right. How are you going to continue it? And that's and that's on you. And to most people, yeah, what Nate said, don't ever <laughs> right. To me, I'm like, that's grand opportunity because right. we just up the responsibility. Well, and I think that the thing is, if you're a skilled storyteller and you present these characters, um, there really shouldn't be any reason for your players to want to kill them. At all. Right. You know, they they point out, though, I do love them for this. And I feel I feel an Achilles influence mm-hmm. because I feel that he often does a very good job of a, and I'll admit it, it's a paranoid way of looking at all possible ways this could go bad and then putting a Band-Aid on it. We fellow cynics tend to know our own. Right. And uh, I could see that because off the bat with Lucida and Anatole, Anatole is digging in the ground and that's mm-hmm. all you see. And when the players come up, this dude's wearing like half a, a, a Roman breastplate worn poorly. He's bushy all, hair all misshapen. He's just a misshapen... A uh, clear fighter, insane, digging in mud. Right. And players, for whatever reason, may decide, okay, kill that guy. He's on our land, let's just get rid of him. Find out why he's here, torture him, whatever. Well, if you move to attack him, Lucita ambushes you. Right. Right Right as you do it. And Anatole's not a weak guy. No. You know, he, <laughs> no, he's he, not. Knows, he knows how to fight. Right. So you're, and you just started. Right. You were literally neonates who Sire set free and you're trying to build your future. Oh. You're building your future by trying to kill some random guy. Alone? Well, elders exist, folks. Right. So, and, and the book highlights that. We have no reason why they would want to do that, but if they develop one, it's okay at this point if they have to remake a new character because they die. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. If they do. It's yeah. not that they're Methuselah. It's not even that they're elders. It's just that they, they are in Scylla, and odds are it's in their favor. There, There is definitely, uh, uh, you'll find the thread running through here, that there is a number of occasions where they're like, make this real fucking hard. And hey, sometimes the character's got to die. Yep. You know, like understand that the choices you make are going to have ramifications. And, you know, there's there's always like those little scenarios that they'll throw in and, you know, where they're like, hey, if your character wants to grab this person and drink them dry, that's cool. But understand that down the road, somebody's going to find out, you know, right when when Sasha Vikos finds out that you did A, B and C, maybe he's not going to be so willing to help you. You know, did you catch what they did? That seemed like somebody must have learned the lesson from the previous book where they had that innocent girl out on the step. Remember mm-hmm. a previous podcast? Mm-hmm. She's like a, a rape target right. for some guys and like the players have to defend her. Yes. And if they and did you catch how they did it again? Mm-hmm. They did right. it with the, the slave. Right. And exactly. yeah. And they're like, yeah, you, I mean, you could kill her. That's fine. But this guy's going to find out later. If, if they don't kill her, this guy's going to find out and he's going to be happy because they're family. Right. And it's right. that she's important. But is she... Like, plot important? Actually, no. She's a moral importance. Right. When she breaks free to run, it's because <clears throat> it's because she's brought up like like a piece of meat. Right. They're like, hey, check her out. Her hair's disheveled. Clearly, she has decent dress on. Everyone, she's right. a virgin. No one's broken her in yet. Hyman's still intact. And she trips the dude, jumps off the stage, and goes a-running. Mm-hmm. And at that point, call it the hero and me, I definitely would run after her to help her. Right. You know, it, 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 well, and it, it, the thing that they're doing here, and you'll see it through little little threads throughout all the different scenarios. There's like four main scenarios, 
they're building the theme of servitude and slavery and yep. the eventual rise of the anarch revolt. <clears throat> and they're there. I, I felt and I, I mean, it's not even really a feeling that's it's kind of overtly stated. The goal is you're going to get to the point in the last act where um, a certain someone is going to ask you to do a certain something. Well, to, to add what you're talking about, that's that's my point there. Right. Is that I would jump and run after him because it's in me to rebel. Right. It's in me to oppose a standing tradition that doesn't make sense. Right. And in that time, slaves were permitted. You were supposed to. In fact, they, they talk about how, like, to save your soul, you may be sold to a Christian. Right. Absolutely. Brought up that women, if you were appropriate. Right. Right. Take the children and sell them on the auction block, too. And that's, and that's the thing. But they're they're trying to say that the standing order says... Let this happen. However, if you choose to uh, go against it, then that's also a choice that you can do, and that also works. Um, so basically, yeah, the theme being you just get shorter. The theme, <laughs> the theme, the theme being opposing status quo is what it is, and keep and like Nate said, it's a seed, and keep it in mind as we progress through here. But all right, so she saved whatever you do, you don't killed her, whatever you do. Um, if you do save her, though, she's the one who gives you. She spills the beans. Hey, by the way. When the players mention it, what, where are we going? We're going to Tehuda Pass. Well, you saved me. I'll hang out with you for a while. Or you ghouled her or whatever you did. Right. Um, she'll tell you, like, oh, yeah, that's an old fortification my family had. I know where the secret place is. And they're like, ta-da, awesome. <laughs> ta-da. And then they get there with Anatole and all that stuff, and they, they say what they're doing. Now, the importance of Anatole is at this point, he's receiving visions from God. Right. So he believes that are telling him prophecies. Okay. You're the mouth. I, I guess that's right. it. But Lucida kind of takes pity on him. That's how those two met. She saw it, um, her sire being of a highly religious order, but not devout. Not in the sense that she wants him to be devout. I have to highlight that. I won't get into it other than her sire's a real bastard, but he is still one of true faith. Right? Right. Let you brain wrap around that one. And there is a reason. It's not just a faux pas on a sheet. It is legit. But uh, regardless, she has that empathy for him. A maternal instinct, you would say, uh, to see him well, and that's what she's there for. Now, what they discover are these weird discs. There's like three clay tablets that are in this place, and underneath is a gold disc to figure them out. And it's not a religion, right? if you get that joke. But that, I'm just saying, it's not a religion <laughs> they find. Um, these tablets are of an ancient language. There's no way to know it unless you were an antediluvian. Right? Or, or you have the disc. Right. Someone made a disc, though. <laughs> right, it's right, the important right, thing, right. and there it is, this right. gold disc. Now, stop me if this doesn't sound like a gigantic conspiracy. You were old enough to write in this language on clay tablets mm-hmm. and were wise enough for some reason to make a gold disc that translate them for whoever finds it. Right. You you lobbed it. Right. You're like, this has importance later on, right? And that's that. Now... I like conspiracies. I like looking at, you know, what an author does and seeing where it goes. I'm just going to put this as exhibit probably now D <laughs> evidence 113 solid's a bastard, right? Yep. That's where that's where I'm just going to leave it. That's all I'm going to say. It doesn't help what we just read too in addition <laughs> to this book, but yeah, we'll not, we'll not spoil this podcast with that, but So, and that's the and that's the other other thing. Well, what what did they find when they translate it? We're just going to paraphrase it. You can read it for yourself to get it. Basically, someone's bragging how they duped all their brethren. Mm-hmm. They cause, literally cause them simpletons. They can't uh, see the forest for the trees. Right. 
he can or she can. They don't ever def- say one way or the other. But in the future, he wins. We'll, or he or she wins and will be greater than God himself. And I know what you're thinking. That's it. Sure. And that Cappadocious? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> right. right. That's all I could say. Could, could be. Right. I don't know. Solid. Uh, you know, whichever <laughs> one you want to go with, uh, that's, you know, you're allowed to kind of go with that. But that that's what they discover. And, uh, you know, the smart player figures out well, that's the real reason the patron wanted you there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Was clearly wanted this stuff. But then Lucida and Anis will go, look, nothing in here do we want to keep, but we want to copy it. Right? right. We want to be aware and kind of help him out and, you know, be do us a solid. And the players either say yes and they owe them. You know, and that's important. Right. They're establishing the boon system right here. For all you Camarilla fans, all you Sabat out there, all you Anarchs, pay attention. Before all that existed, boons still existed. They still happen. And this is one of them. You let me into your secret crypt. I get to copy what you let me copy. Right. And that's a boon I owe you. Well, and it goes a step further because basically the whole foundation of uh, how this this whole scenario comes to play. All of your sires owe this one individual a boon. And in order for them to, to pay that boon off, they offer up their children and they say, yeah, they'll go out here and they'll build a structure and they'll get the first level of it done by spring or whatever. And, you know, it's it's each one of these little scenarios has like a, uh, a finality, like there is a conclusion, like if you don't get this done, if you look every gift horse in the mouth and you go, go fuck yourself, you are not going to be able to complete it and you're going to have to go drink from the cup. You're going to have to go sup from the rest. Right. Well, we forgot an important part. It, it is an important part in this book. That Hold that. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. I know right where you're going, but I don't want to step on it. Before they get to the spot, to Tahuta Pass, it's a long travel. So they notice that there's all this farmland and less populous as they go along. And Kronstadt is where they end up chilling there for a night. Well, it's Mitru the Hunter hangs out in that area, and he swore to protect everyone in Kronstadt from invaders. Right. He believes the players are invaders, right? And so he arranges an ambush. And by ambush, they launch, like, Greek fire or some crazy thing <laughs> right. at, the, at the enclosed caravans, burn it down, and try to kill the players. Well, depending on how your players fare, well, regardless of how they fare, Michael Vikos... I don't want to miss the good Grand Lord Vikos, right? right? It's quite my, more important than Dracula in a world of darkness that White Wolf's created. Uh, Vikos comes up on a horseback looking unearthly beautiful. Right. Penis still intact because he's Micah Vikos. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And he sends in his, his soldiers to like even the field. And Mitru the hunter, a gang girl, is a hunter. And hunters know you don't attack when it's at a disadvantage to you. Right. And you could fight another day. So he gives the ground and leaves. And Vikos is there, and he goes, oh, how fortuitous. I'm here. And he goes about assessing the group. And even back then, when I first read about him in this, he's a bastard. Right? Yeah. He's incredibly nice, but he looks at them like, assessing them to see what you're worth. I I really, truly, getting a feel for this character, there were, like, people that you and I know in our personal lives that, like, I felt were evocative of, or, or like, this character evoked for me in my head and I won't mention any of them by name, but like always there to like, doesn't matter what your issue is. Here you go. I got help for you. No problem. I, I'm going to ask for a payment, but like, it's totally fine. Like, <laughs> Oh, you need a sweater. Here's a sweater. 
You're like, oh, I didn't really, I mean, like, I could, like, ah, oh, my shoes kind of like, the soles coming up. Here's some shoes. You got shoes? No, no problem. Just shoes. Right. Give me, give me back later. Just shoes. And then one day they're like, hey, by the way, uh, I need six tires for a Pinto tomorrow. And you're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> what are you telling me right now? <laughs> huh? Um, well, shit. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to repay. That's fine. I'll just take my ring back. You know, like. <laughs> I, I get that, uh, but what Vicos is, uh, where there are people like that exist, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. His purpose is he's in, he's incredibly intelligent and he's highly highly intellectual is what they put in there for him. And so when he talks to the characters, it's an assessment. He's incredibly nice because he wants them to. He doesn't pass up an opportunity to have canines owe him. Right. Does never pass it up. That's all this is. So when he intervenes at this point, is to be nice. It's to see that they have nothing now. There's nothing to be recovered from what Mitra destroyed. Right. And remember, you left with your patron's wealth. He gave you covered wagons and people and things to get it started and stuff to help build builders. And Mitra fucked it up. Yeah, Mitra came <laughs> in and killed it all. So it's like, well, well, it's over. No, no. Vikos gives you a chance. And he says, hey, take it or leave it. And if you're like, take it, great. You just made a friend. Mm-hmm. And he'll let you go with right. him. He gives you more money. And then you get to take horses. And go up there and finish your trip and encounter all that nonsense. Right. However, I like the option, too, where it says you also can tell him to pound sand. Right. You know, players can sit there and go, you're Vikos. I won't help the Sabbat. Yeah. All right, it's, weird it's metagaming a, right. time jumper. Yeah, that's but not a thing, uh, but all right. Cool. You know, do you. And, my, and he's on his way. However, that's going to suck. Well, and you, it's funny that you mentioned that whole, like, I'm not going to help you, Sabat Vikos. Like, there's a there's actually, like, a passage in here that's like, uh, we need to make sure that we keep in-game knowledge and out-of-game knowledge separate. I like, I, I like a lot that they give you, like, there's so very few times in these books that they actually say shit like that. Like, where they're like, look, dum-dum, keep your out-of-game knowledge out-of-game. Right. Like, th- you're here to play this role, play the character you built not the character you're hoping for. Um, also, I thought it was really cool in here that you learned something about Vikos and Goratrix that I, I didn't know before. And you, you did. I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm going to curse you. I mm-hmm. know you did. I, actually, I didn't. I didn't. I never knew. When you read the background mm-hmm. of Vikos, mm-hmm. it's mentioned in the background. I, maybe I, my brain skipped it. It's not. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, how did I miss that? Right. And I sat there and went, oh, it's not that I missed it. It's that I'm willing to bet, and maybe you're different. I'll let you speak mm-hmm. for you. But when I read it, I was like, fuck you. That's what that is. <laughs> and I turned around and went, okay, cool. Pulled my other book out and read it, and I was like, it's right there. It's right. just worded differently. Right. It's literally worded as a, as a point of non-importance. Right. And like, this is where he came from. This is what happened. It's kind of how he is. And then Byzantium happened in Constantinople. In other words, there's a series of great events that yeah. it highlights in Children of the Night. This is a footnote. Right. You know, what they reveal in here about him. But at this point, he's not a super elder. So that footnote is actually of more importance, so it has more of a focus. Right, right. Yeah, but it was cool. I mean, I, I won't ruin it because it's, you know, yeah. it's let it let you read it yourself. Hello. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, they, they give you those options at the end. They go, you know, you can either take a, take him up on his offer, oh, Maboon, or you can tell him to, you know, pee in his hand. <laughs> and he'll go off and pee in his own hand. And he'll because those jellyfish things. <laughs> he'll come back and ask for you know his uh, his his ends back. He, he'll you know take it take what he gave you back, and that's the end of it. But now you don't have an ally. 
where you could have an ally. And so they're kind of building all of these potentials for relationships that you can have when the shit hits the fan. But why'd they do it? And here's the shitty thing about it. Your sires and their retinue come to see how construction goes after you've been there for a while. Right? Because when you get there, the game's not over. Right. It's not like victory. Now you got to build this. And let me tell you, the game, they go, yeah, they got to build it. <laughs> right, right. Now they got to tell you the ST. What's your plans, guys? Right. How are we going to build this? And the dick move is that someone's been working to hinder your building. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So whether you took help from Vicos or not, the people you get to help build, there's a guy in there deliberately mm-hmm. sabotaging how fast this can get built. Yeah. Now, why is he doing that? Well, clearly Vicos has spies. Because Boons. <laughs> right. Because Boons is the answer. And so... And so as you're trying to get through this, you realize you're stressed and it's not going to be completed in time and whatever. Um, Vikos comes by. He's like, boo-hoo. How you guys doing? Right. Oh, well, it looks like you guys are having some issues. You need a little help? Yeah, just, a, just a little more help, maybe. And you're like, oh, Vikos, our buddy, if he took his offer before. And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll front you the money now. But here, and he snaps half of a ring. Uh, and he's like, take this half of the ring. At a later time in the future, I'm going to need your help. It'll be important then, but don't lose it. Sure. Cool. Right. And you take the money, and then miraculously, as if they've been reinvigorated, that new money, oh, yeah. built in time. All your worries disappear. If you tell Vicos again, vow candios, man. We're, we're good. All right. <laughs> he won't, but then, like, when your sires get there, and this is the important thing, I love they put this in there. Sires get there, patrons there to fucking see what's going on. You're not done. You're nowhere where you need to be. Like, what do we just pay all this wealth for and get you all out right. of for and where is it where to go? And if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, they kill you. <laughs> right? You're just dead. And they kind of have it in between the lines where they're like, you can be lenient. Right. But like, we would just kill you. And then we would tell you, make new characters. And these new characters are here to build what they want to build here. You're not the only thing around they could have had. You were first pick. Right. You're the A team, there is a B team. And it's up to you how you choose to do that. Now, that that's cool, but let's say you built it on time, took Vikos' help. I like the fact that your sires come in like, ah, oh, well done. The patron's like, money well spent. I knew I can count on you. This will be good for everyone. You know? And this assumes they only come after you sent the disc. Right. Right? Right. You, you gave them the shit you found in the basement, the cool right. stuff. If you didn't, they send a bully squad to come and, like, take. And if you're not prepared and ready and all that, you become the B team, right? That's, it's pretty cool how they wrote that up. Not because of the danger, but that's realistic. If I paid you something like $3.5 million to go build me a house off some forbidden land near a mountain pass, and I told you it's important to me, and you check the, the money value in that area, that money's 10 times worth more. Mm-hmm. in an area than where it originated from and I get there and in like a two years time you don't even have the first floor built I'm willing to bet I could pay a fraction of the cost to have you killed right. I'm just saying in in a world of darkness sense right and it, it, well that's the other thing too that it really establishes and, and why uh, you know I want to kind of like mention this at the end but I think now's a good time like <clears throat> it really shows th- this is almost one of those things that I, I would want to run like first time players through yeah. Because I really feel like it's going to show the extremes of what it means to be chilled to sire, what the prestation system looks like. Where you like you as a chilled of an elder 
are you're a tool. And all throughout this, those elders are are using you for their own benefit for sure. on more than one occasion. And I think it really is a good idea to to get a new player into a scenario where they can go, oh, this is like the worst of it. This is like, this is what, when it sucks, this is what it looks like. And when it doesn't suck, this is what it looks like. Right. Like we, you, you get a domain, right? Like you, you're, you're going to be Prince. It's cool. You succeed here. You can be Prince. No big deal. You go to one of these cities and now, now it's your domain, right? Like they can just give it to but, you. But I'm not going to tell you it's part of the Seibenbergen. Right. Right. I'm not going to tell you that. Like, right. I'll tell you it's part of the Seibenbergen, but I'm not going to tell you that it's seven cities of which there are only four surviving princes. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And what happened to the other three? Don't pay attention. Ah. You're prince now. Who cares? It's your domain. I gave you the domain. I, we can just give domain, right? But also, later on, if you fuck up, even though you've been prince of that domain for 100 years, it's ours now. You, you don't get it. You're a failure. You haven't proven yourself. Bitch, I've been prince for 100 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you mean I ain't proving myself. Wait a second, Nate and Bob are in your game and they see what's going on and you don't accept the domain? Mm-hmm. Your sire tells you, screw you, I don't have a chill. Uh-huh. I'm done with this shit and uh-huh. leaves. And your patron goes, fine, you'll be lords of Tahuta Pass. I'll expect my taxes. <laughs> right. And he leaves. What do you do? Right? It's no matter what, and there's someone everyone owes someone. Right. Right? It does it's inescapable is what they hammer home. I adore that. Right. And, and uh, so then you well, you succeed, right? That's that's the story. You succeed. And then uh, I, th- I believe the next thing is you have to go get Goratrix. Well, they do this amazing jump, right? Mm-hmm. And that was like the first thing. Right. And then there's a century. But it tells you, hold on, you got a lot of game to do. Right. The Mongols invade. <laughs> right. All this shit right? happens. Right. It's fantastic all this was said, but these sons of bitches had you there to get some disc. Nobody told you that there was this angry horde of badasses looking to raid and that they were coming right through your home. Right. Everything you built's at risk. What do you do? And you get to play through that, whether you repel them or you open trade with them or right. diplomatically support them. You tell them to go at the patron. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those opportunities where you as a storyteller and your players, you get to decide the level of involvement between the next big event. This podcast is brought to you by the empty despair of nothingness. But we'd love to feature you or your product on our podcasts. For more information on advertisements and sponsorships, contact us at utilitymuffinlabs.com. That's utilitymuffinlabs.com, consistently rated adequate. The following is completely fake and does not represent any existing company in Simi Valley or anywhere else. Thank you. Do you need legal help? Have you been recently injured? Are you fighting for alimony or lost wages? Then call Elbow Glover and Spec for all your legal needs right here in Simi Valley. Don't let cost be your deterrent. We don't collect unless you do. Our legal team fights for you. With over 100 years of legal experience, our team can handle any legal issue. Elbow Glover and Spec, attorneys at law in Simi Valley. Visit us at simivalleylaw.com or call us at 1-800-LAW-HELP. That's 1-800-LAW-HELP. Great, but it gives you the opportunity to do those little scenes, the game sessions in between the big jumps. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're assuming you're, you're, you're running a chronicle. You're running a long, long-term game to some degree. 
Um, but they're not like, well, you better be here every week for they, they have that little passage in there. Like, like, uh, clear your Saturdays for the next 11 months, right? right. Like <laughs> you can, or, you know, you don't have to, but it's up to you, but this is where you can play through that stuff. And then they go, cool. Next chapter. The next reason you all get together is because you're in your own domains and one of you, whoever gets picked magically, uh, one of your servants gets a book. And uh, this book is important because Kapala, who we forgot to mention entirely, um, let me let me let me catch did you we, up real quick. Did we? We did. The master uh, builder, which his name is Zelios and Nosferatu. Yeah. He's been going around completing keeps and castles and just it's his thing and his obsession. And he's who gets sent by Radu Bistritz. We forgot that whole encounter with Radu, but that's the significance. When you get when you get trash and you go with Micah, Micah takes you to Radu. Right. Radu is the one who helps set you up all you know again with what he can to send you where you got to go, and that's and that's what you arrive with. But it's through Micah's influence. However, Radu also says, "Don't worry, I'll send the master builder Zelios. He'll be there in a few days." And that's it. That's his foot. I, I like I like how they uh, they kind of introduce him and mention him. They're basically, to say like, no matter what side of the the fight your characters are on. He decides it's it's easier to just befriend you than it is to to try to destroy you. And right. he's like, hey, I guess maybe we could use a castle there. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go ahead. All right. I fuck around with that place anyway. <laughs> Redu's a great character from that mm-hmm. area. Um, and then, but Zelios again um, comes to you in in chapter two. Why? Well, because like we said, there's this book mentioned. It's about the demon Kapala, and you're you're checking it out. Well, Zelios has been hunting down any information about him because he finally discovers why he's been building these weird, crazy castles, right? He spent some time in Egypt and he discovers that it's, it's geomancy. Right. And he comes back over and he wants to build these sigils because it'll help keep the demon Kapala bound. Why is that relevant? Well, the players know about Kapala because Octavio, who we forgot again, <laughs> but they, they encounter Octavio uh, on their journey as well to the, uh, to the Tabuta Pass. And he appears out of nowhere rambling mm-hmm. about prophecy and then kind of does the... If you've seen any hobo in the city or homeless person, if you prefer, the ravers, right? Those who are like, yeah, God's coming. Uh-huh. It's time to pay the Bible. So he's even worse because he's like, you all, y'all motherfuckers are the... Co- you, you're also, hold on. I got these people over here and I'm going to have them burn you. Right. He has a cult jump them. Um, very interesting character, but... That's also why you're together in chapter two, because it's like, oh, hey, did you forget? And uh-huh. we, we did forget the prophecies. There was a lot of crap going on. We weren't paying attention. You know, we've been busy. We're 100 years older, buddy. Yeah, well, out of nowhere, this book goes over a weird, strange thing in it of, of more prophecy, it seems, and then mentions Kapala. And actually, it, it mentions uh, Bilobog in there, too. It's one of the names cited in some creepy stuff, and then it's done. Well, out of nowhere, right as you're done... In walks in Zelios and he's like, "Hey, couldn't help but notice you were talking about Kapala." And then Octavio comes in and he's rambling again. He just like he like Kramer's into the room. He's like, Whoa. "Right, yes, <laughs> hey y'all, motherfuckers, you forget me? Prophecy. Did I tell you, <laughs> Kapala? One of the signs happened. You forgot. They came from hell. <laughs> just repeatedly shaking the saber, sort of thing. And then you, they deal with him and he he leaves. Now, at this point, if you decide to jump him. Because, you know, 100 years ago, you saw this hobo, mm-hmm. and he brought a cult. This time, it's like, payback, you son of a bitch. We're going to get you before the cult happens. He has the oddest power of dementation that everybody would want mm-hmm. in this book. Basically, he unleashes hell upon you. 
Yeah. It's right? yeah. That, like it's one of those, it's a, uh, I don't want to call it a hammer for plot, <laughs> but it's definitely a mallet. <laughs> it may not be a hammer for plot, but it's name's Mjolnir. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not not quite the hammer, but um, yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely like a trawl for 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 like plot bricks. Yeah, it's um, fixing it. But but the, the other thing too, he you know he, he like if they don't attack him, he like loses his shit. And then comes to and he's like, I don't fucking know what the hell you're talking about. Like, I, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry I did that. Like, it's weird. My armor, right. my hair. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> All right, bro. Have a day. And then uh, later on, everyone's about to leave after meeting up, deciding what to do with this nonsense. Well, we're princes. We got stuff to do. Right. Um, out of nowhere, this letter comes. And this servant walks up to him. What are your all names? And then what? That part was weird to me, but I get it. It's so, hey, tell me what your name is. One of you characters get it. The one the storyteller decides to give it to. Right. They should, but I think they should just put that. Whichever <laughs> one you think is competent to receive a letter and would follow through with it, that person should get the letter. That, right. that should be what it is. But anyway, it's a letter from Michael Vikos. And it says, and it has a ring in it, the other half. And it says, guess what? You owe me. There's mm-hmm. somebody who needs to get to Seoris. He knows the way. You're going to escort him because Transylvania is dangerous. Right. So that's it. Fulfill the boon. Thanks. Toodles. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so uh, what? what is up with this, this Goratrix fella? Well, basically, when Tremere diabolizes Solid, bad shit starts to happen to him, as would be normal for someone that's now suddenly an antediluvian. You get real fucking tired, apparently. And so, uh, you know, Tremere... Uh, on his way to a nap says, Hey, the inner circle, the seven that fucking, uh, my most trusted that, that converted to vampirism with me. Um, y'all control the world, but different parts of the world and somehow, and they don't tell you how, and I'm sure we'll find out in a later piece of material down the road. They go somehow a uh, Tremere was duped into sending Goratrix to France, even though there was already somebody who was like better equipped. They mentioned it. I had, to, I had to catch that too. They tell you in that book. Do they? He was he wasn't duped. It's he mentioned it the first time. It's it'd be, it'd be like him if I were Tremere, he goes, All right, and Goratrix, you take France. And Atrius like, my lord, France. That mm-hmm. Mirlinda would be best suited for France. And he goes, I said France. Right, <laughs> right, right. No, I couldn't have said France. And he takes a moment, he thinks about it, and he goes, It's France. <laughs> well, we're not gonna oppose him twice. Right, right. Right? That's what he does. It, right. we, we know why that occurred, but it's showing you immediately he was losing control. Right. Immediately. Right. But none of them knew it. They were just like, the fuck? Right. And even Goratrix was like, the fuck am I gonna do in France? Right. <laughs> so he goes to France and he he's like, Oh man, you know what? I, I really want to fuck up with these uh these Knights Templar. Like they're all rich, they got money and banks and shit. So I'm gonna get in there and get some of them riches. I'm glad you rubbed your hands together mm-hmm. like that too, because Goratrix <laughs> to me is ghetto. <laughs> Goratrix is gangsta as it gets, man. Yeah. He said, like, You won't send me at France? Yeah, I'm gonna fuck up some of them nice Templars. Hey, y'all got that um the Ark of the Covenant? Because I hear if I had the Ark of the Covenant in front of my army, I could rule the fucking world. Hey man the holy grail (laughs) and so the knights templar are like no uh (laughs) none of that and he's like oh you won't let me in all right well i'm gonna go talk to the authority and basically he manipulates the church into destroying the knights templar right adds to it now they tell you the background of the knights templar here's the short version we're awesome 
and mm-hmm. we're escorting stuff to and fro, guaranteeing protection, and we bring banking. Right. Pretty much bring banking to the world on how to do that. Right. Right. And we're we're guaranteeing loot for a fee. Get safe. That's it. Yeah. It's the it's the iron bank. It's so good. Right. It is. It is. <laughs> you can see my eyeballs. Right. It? <laughs> it is. But it's so good that the Pope goes. I'm the Popa. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you're above the king. You only answer to me, which means you only answer to God. Right. So all these nobles are like, wait a minute. We're knights un- and we only answer to God. Now we're really knights. Right. Before we were just bully boys with swords and nothing better to do. Now we are knighted. Be a knight's Templar. All the rage. Well, because of that, and they're getting all this wealth, eventually a new king gets crowned and the mm-hmm. king sits there and goes... These nice Templar have all this loot, mm-hmm. and I don't have all this loot, so I gotta pay them back. Mm. And he does that typical greedy shit. He's like, you know, it would be really cool if all this stuff that I borrowed from them, I just don't have to pay back. Excuse me, uh, Popa, mm-hmm. Pope, mm-hmm. would you would you like to have a have a large estate mm-hmm. that's basically a giant swimming pool with different places to get freaky in with whoever you have? <laughs> no one will know about it. You're the Pope. Yeah, you do. Cool. Uh-huh. Start giving him my. My bathroom. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we'll start there. Hey, uh, let's uh, have all them Templars come in here. They're going to tell us where all our riches are at. Right. And the Templars do what Templars should do, not tell you. They, they're just like, no, go fuck yourself. We're not going to do it. And they, they see the writing on the wall. And the cool thing in here, and I looked this up too, this is a weird thing in history. Jacques de Molay, right, as they're being hunted by the Inquisition, by the way, and they're being put to the question, and they're not telling them shit, right? Uh Jacques de Molay, um, to, to spare himself torture, he initially was like, fine, I, sure. Yeah. We were doing diabolistic practices, like you said, and it happened, whatever. And they told him that he can go and take solace under another order. Go join another night group, that's fine, but you'll serve a penance. You'll never rise there, but you can be a knight so you spare your life. Well, before he left, he go he, out of out of honor, honestly, he said, screw that. Nah, mm-hmm. screw you both. I did not betray God. Right. That's not what I did. And they're like, burn him at the stake. Well, when he went to burn him at the stake, he basically said, you two will answer to me in front of God right. in a the, year's yeah, time. In a year's time, you will, you will fight me at the throne of God. Yeah, right. And the two were the king and the pope, and they both fucking died. Yeah. Okay? That was, I think that's one of the coolest things ever. So all of this is to say that basically on the canine half of the world, what happened was Gortrix went and because... <laughs> Because he couldn't get the riches, he was all like, I want the riches. He's putting like fancy hats on, wearing like an eye patch encrusted in gems. He was like, I want all the riches. <laughs> because he couldn't get them, he f- he basically fucked up and got this knightly order, this like order of knights that are under God, got them condemned and destroyed and caused a sign of Gehenna. Right. And the sign of Gehenna is the Inquisition. Right, right. Because they didn't stop there. And so and so like Tremere and, and Etrius and all the motherfuckers back at Sioris are like, what the fuck did he do? Because at, right here, because if you're wondering how did the Inquisition get out of hand from there, that's how. Right. Because when the Pope, who was, who was backing them and it had them kickstarted because of influence of Gortrix, and the king was fucking dead too, nobody knows why the Inquisition was given power to do what they did. And the Inquisition turned around and said, because look, Jacques de Molay was a diabolist. He cursed them and they died. We must root this out. It infects from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. Right. And they were like, okay, do your thing. Now everybody's screwed. So Tremere does some juju. And he's like, bitch, you get your ass back to Sioris. <laughs> Post haste tonight. <laughs> and so, you know, Seeker gets out. And and Micah Vikos hears that his old enemy, which you can read about why they're old enemies, 
is on his way back to Sioris, and Micah wants nothing more than for him to go back to Sioris because the punishment the Tremere will give him is worse than any punishment he could ever give him himself. Right. Even over Zemis. He right. said that would be quick. Right. All I could do is give him a quick death, and that's that's too quick for him. And so he's like, hey, y'all, you guys take him back to Sioris. What he doesn't tell you and what your players don't know is that that's basically ensuring your death too. Right. Knowing where Sioris is is tantamount to sealing your own fate. But Micah don't care. He's like, I want that dude dead so bad, I'm willing to sacrifice all of you to get him there. You're just friends. There's more. Yeah. And so this chapter goes on. And you you get to encounter um you 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 get sent to pick him up. Basically, you get you pick him up from two Asimites. We're just gonna we're just gonna get there. Right. I feel this warrants it. We, this book <laughs> warrants it, right? All right, so you go from it, you get him from the two Asp great, and you, you escort fine stuff, cool thing. There's an interlude. Whatever. Just play the montage music. Right. Right? Cool, some cool stuff. But the point is, part we want to get to is before you get to Sioris, you stop at a town. Yes. And you stop at a town because this is the Tremere's village. Right. And they see invaders. And unbeknownst to you, they planned for invaders because they're under attack from all sides. <laughs> right? Right. You're just, you're just there with Goratrix. And the whole time, Goratrix is like, um, as an FYI, why do we mention the Knights Templar? Because en route to the town, real quick, he sees the Templars. And he sees a chance to rob their treasure. Right. Some escaped with treasure. He assumes it's the two... Holy Grail, Ark of the Covenant, and we'll skip that. You can get in detail with that to learn why he still is in front of the Tremere. Anyway, you get to the village, and basically, I don't. there's multiple ways to handle it. They all lead to this. Tremere, Etrius, and everyone else steps out of nowhere Yeah, to be in this village. And you get to uh, experience what it's like to have uh, even a young antediluvian make you eat your own poo-poo. Just look at you. Yeah, just... You're, you know, it's it's an intense stare that unravels your mind and melts your flesh. It scorches your heart. It reduces you to bones and ash and you feel the agony of all of it. And then you get to wake up moments later reformed. So I read this. I read this chapter in this book today and I read another chapter in the Beckett's Jihad diary. And I read two of the most unsettling things I've ever read in a White Wolf book. And the most, one of the most unsettling things was the description of Tremere and what it's like to have, I don't even know what the hell Tremere is in this book, but I don't want to encounter it in any game ever. You just, you can have that. The other thing was a body full of zygotes, but we'll get to that some other time. (laughs) Yeah, glances at him. It was a glance. He just Mm -hmm. looked over Mm -hmm. everybody and that's what occurred. You want to know what it's like to go through final death? Let Tremere show you. And he's just checking you out. Yeah. And then you've been weighed, measured, and put back. And then reassembled. <laughs> it didn't say you weren't killed, by the way. Right. It just said you were reassembled. Right. So let that weigh on you. And uh, and then it says, hey, Tremere leaves. And as he's walking away, he looks through the short, fat Tremere, and he goes, pay Demetrius," And walks <laughs> right. away. Gortrix, by the way, does what anybody would do. Gortrix acts like, I don't care how hardcore you are. When you have to stand in front of Suge Knight, <laughs> you quake. <laughs> Right? You said, nah, Shug, nah, I want me. And he tries to run, and they appear, and they grab him, and they mm-hmm. shuffle him off. It's just done. Mm-hmm. Yep, Shogun of Harlem. 
rolls they, down from the hills. Well, was what they really fear is that the Shamir clan has Don King waiting back in stores <laughs> is what it is. And Don King wasn't paid his yeah. $60. This is a pre-giant maggot Tremere. This is... <laughs> this is this is Tremere back when he was still making pimp moves and yeah. decisions. Uh-huh. He was like, I gotta get up. You you make me stir from my bed. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Eat your stock at the door. What, bitch? <laughs> uh, like, uh, we think Gortrix is coming. He's in town down below. Get my robe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> The gargoyles floated and put it on him. They adjusted for him, you know. I will now hover down to the to the town. <laughs> I need to get a bit of blood. The most beautiful man and woman walk in, and he's like, "Not you." But it's proof positive to me why you you don't diabolize solid and come out ahead. Like you, you, there's nothing good about you that comes from that. I can't stop thinking of Shamir with his long white hair, his giant purple pimp coat. I just, I like, I viewed him as like with that like, swagger, right? Just like, like a, like a horrible anime boss, like just like things flapping around him, <laughs> and you're like, oh god, the secrets I cannot devise. <laughs> like, all right, daddy, d- daddy, can I, I mean, want to bring you going tricks, right? But, but, but so they do this great thing where they're like, you need to emphasize to these, these players like exactly the horror of what they're encountering like it's not it's not just like you encountered an elder it's not just like a powerful badass methuselah this is um um mf and antediluvian this is like and a mockery of one mm-hmm. i want right. to add that a weak one this is, this, right. he's been he's been one for like a hundred years he ain't shit but he is He's a hundred-year-old vampire with some stuff. Let's leave that there. Who can disassemble your entire brain and analyze every thought you've ever had and see that you've left, you've been left wanting, and are beneath his notice as a as a creature. Pay hey, you whatever it is, right? And, and, and that's that. And to us, well, to, well, to me, I don't know for you. I was like, oh, so that's done. Book's right. done. Right. Oh, nay, nay. <laughs> no, no. There's uh, more. There's, there's definitely more. more. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, and then the rest of that is just basically you get to the Basarab guy. Right. Right. You get done, and you're. But here's the cool thing. If you as if you well, I, cool whatever. But if you talk to Etrius and you're like, hey, I got the we got these symbols. Like, yeah. we, we need to carve them onto your thing because there's like a demon. He's like, oh yeah, no problem, I'll do it. In fact, I might be able to improve those symbols and make them better. And this is back to that Zelios Kapala Geomancy thing. Um, to me, it, it just it, it's the reason the players are traveling around. Right. You need one. They showcase it there. It's just not my cup of tea. Like to me, it keeps slipping my mind because I'm like, well, right, because it's right. like a, it's an aside. What it is is that it's something minuscule compared to encountering an antediluvian, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, how do I ever? M- right, right. A Methuselah, you can you can have a nice conversation with an antediluvian is a being of pure power. Look, Scooby Doo is the perfect show for anybody playing a game, any player, any gaming troupe, because mm-hmm. you will always need a Thelma. Right, <laughs> Thelma will keep track of that shit. Thelma will make sure you get from point A to point B, and you need that. You keep Scooby for the humor. Shaggy's a good guy because he's just gonna punch some shit. And then the other two, and then the other two look good and people like, and they talk to people. Right, right. Daphne and Fred always chit chat. Right, yeah. And, and at the end, they're like, "See what we figured out," and you're like, "You didn't really figure that out." And Thelma's sitting there wondering why you're still talking. Right, right. She's on to the next thing. Thelma, my girl, I like it. But that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. Anyway. So that that concludes that concludes that century. Yeah, I will say um, rolls out. Oh well, the geometric usage. It, it is kind of a cool scene. I this is a this is a contention point for me. I don't know if it needs to happen. I probably would skip it. Um, I, it's probably important so that 
um, demons, uh, Kapala demon things don't like rise from the ground and inhabit all. So it's in, it's like it's in, kind of important. It's the one thing that's in my head when Zelios tells you we got to put these symbols in all the castles, blah 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 blah. Why would I leave it only up to five people? Right. Wouldn't I use my influence spread far and wide and tell these mortals, hey, you're an artisan. Here's some coin. That's true. You Go prob- put this symbol on this castle wall. You probably would do that, but you're also uh, writing a chronicle for players to play. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> right? that's, I'm just explaining right. why I'm like, uh, right. it keeps slipping my brain because it seems to be whatever. Right, exactly. But what does it do? Pop, what good does it do? Okay, well, here's the important thing. Kapala would have came up then. At this time in Transylvania... Uh, there's, there's, there's these storms, bad weather, things get worse. Yep. In other words, the weather seemed emotional, if that makes sense. Kapala angry. And it was, and it was all signs that Kapala was breaking loose. He was finding a way to get up. He was going to get his heart, rule the world. Mm-hmm. Everyone rule the day. Zelios didn't know why he was doing it, but he actually built all these castles, put these sigils on to trap Kapala. Right. And so when you go and meet this, uh, Zemis, this Basarab Zemis, he's, he's cool. Because he's the typical crazy voivode that you're used to reading about. Until. Right? He starts talking about how he diabolizes his grandfather. Uh-huh. And then he tells his ghoul, pantomime. <laughs> and, his ghoul, and, his, and his ghoul looks to you and he's just like, just go with it. Just, right, just let right. this happen. Right. And he jumps up on the table and lays there. Pretends to be asleep. And this guy goes through the whole act of coming in and describing his hunger. And talking to grandfather. I'm so hungry. You know, I kept thinking Little Red Riding Hood overtones. Right. What big teeth you have. And then he bites the ghoul and begins draining it. And if you don't intervene to stop his crazy ass, you, t- you take road hits and he kills the ghoul. Right. Right. But then he'll tell you whether you do intervene or not. He goes, well, put your sigil on the wall. Go ahead. But remember that girl we talked about? She's important because she's a relative. Right. And if she's still with you, you saved her, in other words, or ghouled her, whatever it is. Yeah, she's you would around. have had to have ghouled her. She tells you, she goes... Oh, hey, I'm still around. Well, she's a Basarab. She herself a revenant. Mm. She could still be around. Uh, but she. But basically, he's like, oh, yeah. Brother, don't you remember me? Well, at the time, no. He's looking at her through a fogged haze and vaguely remembers her. Right, because Kapala is like kind of making everybody insane. Right, and she's trying to kiss him to, to assure him that it's her or whatever. And it didn't really happen until we, the player puts the sigil on the thing. When the sigil goes on the wall... Storm recedes, Can't clear rain skies. all the time. Can't right, it rain all, all goes away. <laughs> and then suddenly, he's like, I'm normal again. Oh, shit. Hey. I'm a scholarly bassarab. Hello, everybody. Yeah. It's terrible I committed the Diablo, but things happen in Transylvania. Let me blah, blah, blah. Right. In other words, the demon's in the box. Mm-hmm. It's a goddamn demon in that book. And that's that. And um, <laughs> I just felt the Winchesters should have walked in. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're playing the the Dark Ages equivalent, you know. That's <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, so uh, final chapter, at least of uh, first book, kicks off because you get Anatole. Well, it's a hundred years later. Right. First off, we're in the fourteen hundreds now. You get Anatole and Lucida charging into the place you guys agreed to meet up at. Like all of you get together to discuss events. Right. It's been a century. You're now two centuries old. All of you have these demences and areas, and you're like, well, how are we going to rule stuff? Especially if you were that badass member, named Bob, sitting up in Tehuda Pass. You probably got some wealth. Right. Right? Things to discuss. Well, wherever you meet, Anatole and Lucita bust in, and Anatole's like, please, you're the servants of God. They're after us. They're going to come kill us. Things are bad. Everybody knows shit's fucked. Right. And <laughs> the world's coming down. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure, you could chill here. And one of you steps outside to look around. 
Ain't nobody after him. <laughs> Ain't nobody around. It's just, all right, let's see what's going on. Like, here's news from the West. Right. Um, everybody's gone mental. Everybody's trying to kill everybody else. Uh, and then, you know, they, they make it a point, like, Lucida will talk to any La Sombra in the room and be like, our clan ate our founder. Right. <laughs> so things are not going well. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Right? Because it was in my head. Didn't we just meet Shamir and he glanced at us and Nate and Bob repeated it like four times on this podcast and in a glance he killed him and reformed him? And he the weakest? So what, La Sombra, a bitch? <laughs> well, um, read the La Sombra book or check out yeah. previous podcasts if you'd like to find to, out more. If you'd like to know more, check out episode insert number here because I don't know it. Off the top of her head, there are many. Right. But the point is, that's the layman's understanding. La Sombra's gone. He was slurpied up. And uh, that was that's that, and everyone now is at each other's throats. Uh-huh. They talk about uh, Patricia Bolingbroke, yep, and how she did no. her calls herself Tyler, right? Did her revolt, Tyler Watt thing? It's crazy town. Things are bad. Mm-hmm. In other words, the Anarch Revolt is in full swing, yeah, right now. Well, how does it affect you guys? Right here, you are. You got your lands. Your lands are fine. Everyone's losing their shit. This is weird, right? Well, from there, they got to roll in and. Uh, well, they're rolling the whole cast, right? Uh, I believe when she get Octavio a third time. Um, I don't remember. I, I don't remember if Octavio uh, comes back again or not. But no, so there's there's a point where you're you're um, uh, the what's her Arpod the Nova Arpod um, summons your sires again, right? Uh, it, it's your, it has you go to retrieve. So there's this whole scene where you go and you interact with. Um, uh, we'll just use the term that they use in the book. Some gypsies. It's not not a term we would use normally. Roma, right? But it's called Roma in the book. There, that's that's the term that they use. They will use that, but just try to say Roma, right? Because right. I, I found where it, it's pejorative, incredibly yeah. pejorative. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's Roma. It's it's you know that's that's the language that they use in the book. It's not it's not a word we like to use on this podcast any longer. Um, we're just using the language of the book and. Um, you go to retrieve some jewelry that was stolen and, uh, you go and uh, one of the, uh, the Ravnos, I believe, uh, offers to give you, to read your, uh, your tarot. And then basically she gives you another like, uh, prophecy of, of what's to come in the future. Right. And then, uh, the inquisition shows up and just starts fucking shit up. Like there's right. no other way to put it. And so, you basically, your players are put in a position where it's you cannot completely succeed at the task that's laid before you. And this is the chapter we're referring to where it says, basically, kid gloves come off. Right. Like, your players have two centuries under them, but they still got to fight this Inquisition. They have magic of their own. They have, they have cool stats they lay it out for and they tell you, take the kid gloves off. Yeah. We've been real light with combat up to this point. This is where it all led to, and they need to understand... The grittiness of the era. Everything's burning. It's called the burning times, and they live or die right here, based on how they how right, they are. Right, and that's that. Uh, I, I respect it. Right. Yeah. Well, and and the thing of it is, because you you cannot fully succeed. Essentially, what's going to end up happening is your players are going to fail to some degree, and. Um, because your players are going to f- end up failing to some degree, those sires again 
are going to go, you know, you you screwed us. We we we're st- we still owe this boon because you messed up. You screwed up. You didn't succeed. You didn't get the material back. So drink some more blood. And it's kind of like at that point where your players are they're meant to realize like, oh, this is a stacked, this is a rigged game. Like we right. we cannot win and we will always be under the thumb of our petulant sires who are using us to their own ends. Because why do your sires end up owing boons all over town? Right? Like, because they know your resources that can pay for their fuck-ups, whatever they're doing, or pay for their power that they're accumulating while you're sitting back here basically accumulating power for them. And so they get presented with an opportunity. Which, to be honest, is the system. Right. That's absolutely. That's just how it is. Right. But why this is different is because what's the Anarch Revolt do? It reveals that the young can rebel and can kill an elder. That's yep. what it did. If you reveal to a bunch of crooks that if they unite, they can take down the biggest crook and chop up their empire and everybody gets richer, they're going to do it. Right. Right. Or try. I have to underline that. The misnomer about the Anarch Revolt, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go on that tangent. Yeah, that's as long that's, enough that's, it is. We'll yeah. just leave that alone. Um, but the point is, is that they, they choose. Right. And it is a rigged deck from the beginning. Right. So right here, it's assumed they're going to go with the revolt. Right. Like, screw your sires. That's it. We're done. And even if they don't, the the Zemis, the founder of the clan, the, whatever's going to happen, happens. Because they send a letter to the players, right? I right. forget who it was. It Mike again? I forget what Zemis sends it. It's the one who diabolized his, his sire. The Basarab. Yeah. Right. Sends a letter asking the players if they know of the resting place, or to, or to help discover the resting place right. of the Antediluvian. And he's a he's a devious prick too because he it, depending on how your characters decide to where their where their loyalties lie, he's either looking to stop it from happening verbally or looking to have it. Either way, he wants to participate. He's like, right. let's go get some num nums. You guys can either come with or uh, help us stop it. And if they're gonna help stop it, he sends advance notice and is like, let's have these guys piss off somewhere. And they basically get gets sent off somewhere and it ends up happening what was destined to happen. So either they're involved in the diablery, the quote unquote diablery, or they're patsies, they're pawns. Right. And that's basically how how this unfolds, how this this the chronicle portion of this book basically wraps up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And but of course this is Chronicles one. Now <clears throat> That's the story, right? That's the game you're going to be running through. But you want to be running a game that's more than just like four different chapters or whatever. Um, So this book, I think, is at least this very first Chronicles 1 is is a fantastic resource for a first-time storyteller because it has all of these extra things at at the end of the book that I was talking about earlier. The, you know, capturing scenes and, and like uh, maturation and all these little rules and, and tables that will help you as a storyteller to really ramp up your game. And then at the end here, it kind of gives you a step by step for like from the 1200. It actually starts history. A Transylvanian timeline starts at 271 and goes all the way up until the 1500s. And just gives you little snapshots and does something cool, which a lot of the other books don't do. It gives you a distinct, here's mortal and here's vampiric. Here's right. canine. 
So, yeah, I, I think this is probably the first chronicle, the first uh, like actual game in a book that I was like, this is a value, I think, to a, to a storyteller. And this looks like something that like I would want to run. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be a fun little thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you heard it first. This is, uh, my first, uh, my, the first module, my first module. I didn't hate every freaking like, and there's stuff in it that I I think is very convenient, but uh, as a storyteller, there's plenty of ways you can spin it. Well, I mean, they give you them all, right? They give you every way this could go. So, I mean, that's, is that how you win my heart in a module? No, it's not. But it's every logical way my brain immediately went, why would you do that when and it goes, Bobby did. Right. And you can pick your path. And I was like, I know, I know. So <laughs> basically it quelled it. The right. typical hit I had, it removed it. And it, made, and it makes you look at it in a different way. And that way is this. We already know it's canon. We already know it's major events in the world of darkness. How do you play through that without screwing up canon? This book gives you away. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's probably about it. Right? Yeah. Um, so next week we are returning for Transylvania Chronicles two. And, uh, yeah. So the next couple of weeks, we're just going to do one through four and, you know, give you a bit of the information about that and talk about the pros and cons. I'm not really sure how this rolls out. And I've really heard like conflicting material from listeners and other players of the game, like as to how good or how bad it is. I don't know. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes next with Transylvania Chronicles too. And I think it's our, the point of us is to review it and I have an opinion until we're done reviewing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's good to hear from everybody. Right. But right. I don't. Uh... Yeah. So anyways, um, as far as the chapter one of the Transylvania Chronicles is concerned, I definitely approve. I like it. Um, I'm glad I spent my money on it. And I would advise anybody else listening, uh, if you have the opportunity Run it with some people, you know, play through it, see how it rolls out. Word. So, all right. Well, of course, if you guys have any questions, uh, you know, any information you'd like uh, us to share with you, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Discord, Facebook, etc. I guess that's it. Till next week, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And... Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related stuff or anything else you can think of email me at nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com utility muffin labs consistently rated adequate